How many of you um, would remember uh, these names? Uh, Gorilla Monsoon. Good, nobody? Okay, let me keep going on here. Superfly Snooka. I wanted to name one of our kids Superfly, but uh, Kathleen said ain't going to happen. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Big John Stud. Andre the Giant. King Kong Bundy. These are great names. Hulk Hogan. Now, okay, see now, yeah, see I had to get there. Okay, so now, if you remember, these were all professional wrestlers in the 70s and 80s. And growing up, you know, that's, that's who I knew. I'm Saturday, you know, Saturday favorites. I was, I was intrigued, man, when Superfly would get up on the ring and, and do his love thing and just fly and land on the guy. You know, it was just, it was incredible. And they would do the pile drivers, the suplex. They would hit each other with chairs and they would get up. And I'm like, how, how can they just do that? You know, as a kid, a little kid, you're like, how can they do all that? And, they, and you know, they get up and then when they almost get him down, you know, the, you, you, you know, the, one, two, and all of a sudden they would get up again. You're like, wait, they should have, you know, it's, and um, so I'm like, this is, you know, it was just fun to watch. And, and uh, what happened, there was a day that would forever change me. It just struck to the core of my being. And today I'm still in therapy for it. But this day forever changed me when my friend told me this very thing about professional wrestling. I'm telling you, you ever had something that just shattered your whole life where you're just like, I just thought that was true and it wasn't? Well, that's what happened my friend. He was the wah, wah, wah. And so from, and, and it, he, he said, Barton, it's, it's entertainment. It's, 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 yes, is Superfly flying through the air? Yeah, they are. You know, it's, 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 it's good, but it's, it's all staged. And so at the end of the day, you know, you have this realization as a little kid that, that it wasn't real. It's entertainment. It was a, a show, a good show. But if we understand the point of professional wrestling is to make it seem real uh, so that it's good, good entertainment. Now, if I just, if that was a spoiler alert for some of you here today, I'm sorry. If you hadn't figured that out already, I, I hope that you do. But, um, you know, and I was thinking about this as we're, as we're talking about um, the Holy Spirit in, in our lives and how the Holy Spirit can empower us and, and how we need to have a relationship with, with the Holy Spirit. I, I got thinking about this in professional wrestling. I'm wondering, can we do the same thing in the church or even in our private lives if we're not, if we're not careful? And the one thing that God desires from us is not that we play church or we play religion. How many know that you can do that? I mean, we can, we can go to church and go through some religious calisthenics and make it look uh, godly, but it can, it can just be religion. It can just be going through the moment. This is just something I do. But what God desires for us is that we actually live out authentic lives with him. He, he desires to be everything to us, that he is in control of our lives, that he's speaking to us. And, and we can, if we're not careful, can make our lives look like something that it really isn't. We can do that. And we can put, we, we, can, we can, we can put on a show and make it look like power, but is it really? Is, is it true godly power? And so when we're, we're taking this close look at the person of the Holy Spirit and, 
and, and how it should look like in the life of the church and, and even in our individual lives. And we've asked the question over the last couple of weeks, if the Holy Spirit would cease in our church, would we notice or would it just be business as usual? So can we act like Christians and do Christian things, yet still at the same time not have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives? Is the Holy Spirit working in our personal lives? That's the question, because when we look at the early church, there's not a shadow of a doubt when you read through the book of Acts that the power of the Holy Spirit was working in the church. Can I get an amen? We, we see that. I mean, it, it's, there is no way that we can overlook the power and the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit working in, in, in the lives of the early church. And so um, it, it, it wasn't a show. There was something real and powerful that was happening in the church that caused the church just to grow and grow and grow and cause their personal lives to grow. Not, not just grow in knowledge, of who Christ is. They had that foundation. They knew who Jesus was. They knew that he was risen from the grave. They had that as the launching point of knowing who he is. And then we have apostles that, that wrote letters to the churches to instruct them on what they're to do and to have a correct knowledge of Jesus and not allow uh, false teaching to infiltrate the church. So many of the epistles that we read are, 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 are letters to to churches and individuals to allow them not to put up with heresy or false teaching. So they had this foundation. They had letters to instruct them, which we have in the word of God today, in the canon of the word of God. But at the same time, there was this power that empowered the early church to be witnesses for Jesus, even in a hostile world. There was a power in the individual lives of these believers and followers of Jesus that helped them to endure extreme circumstances in their lives. That they could point to say, that is God. That's God that changed me. That's the, that's the, the promise and the presence of the Holy Spirit that's changed my life. There's a passage in Luke that describes so well the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Luke 4.1, Luke, I love Luke. You can't understand the book of Acts unless you read the book of Luke. Luke just, Luke the physician Luke the doc, Dr. Luke here, just talks about the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. And Luke says this, and I love how he says this about Jesus. When Jesus um, was going into the wilderness and he was going to be tempted by the enemy, by Satan himself. I want you to see what Luke says right at the beginning of this, before Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted without eating. Listen to what Luke says. He says, then Jesus... Let's all say it together. Full of the Holy Spirit. That was bad. I'm sorry. I got everybody messed up there. So let's just say it again. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit as he goes into this time of testing. I love how Luke mentions that. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days, he ate nothing. And on top of that, he was tempted by the devil. It's interesting that Luke says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. There was this dependency. There was this, this perfect unity of Father, Son, Holy Spirit working together. And this is what we need in our lives. We can't ignore the Holy Spirit. 
We, we can't say, well, it's, you know, Father, Son, Holy Bible, or it's just, you know, because some of you, you're, maybe you just brought up and, and, and you just never heard any teachings on the Holy Spirit. But all through the word of God, we see the promise and the presence of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of believers. And I believe with all my heart, there is no difference for you and I today. That God wants to work through us, through his presence and his power. And that's why we're looking into the word of God to see how that can translate into our lives. And so it's just an incredible example for us. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that, that allows us to face and overcome opposition in our lives. So the effectiveness, the effectiveness of the early church was clearly marked by the presence and the power of of the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again, we see the presence of the Holy Spirit, the dependency on the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit made a difference and made the church unique. It separated it from the world and what they were doing and how they were facing the trials of life. So Jesus promised us that we wouldn't be alone, that we wouldn't walk alone, that the Holy Spirit would be with us. And so Jesus tells us that he will equip us with the Holy Spirit to do the work that he's called us to do. Our commission, our work in this world is to share the message of Jesus. Every single one of us have that calling. That calling is not just for me as a pastor. Now, I'm your pastor. I'm your shepherd. I lead you. I encourage you. I instruct you in the word of God. But, but you can't say, well, you know, God, that's, that's pastor's job. He, he's, he's to spread and preach the gospel. Everybody's saying, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. No, 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 no. All of us are called to go into all the world, make disciples, and proclaim the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our job, our commissioning is to do that. And so what Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a gift in our lives to give us that power to be a witness. And so this is what Jesus says. Once again, Luke recording the words of Jesus in Luke uh, or Acts 1.8. And this is what Jesus says. He says, but you will receive power. When the Holy, that, that, word is, that word in the Greek is, 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 is dunamis. And it, it's where we get um, the word for dynamite. Dynamite, right? Uh, good times. Um, it, it, it's this powerful, extremely powerful, explosive power that the Holy Spirit wants to give us so that we can live and fulfill the commission that Jesus gives us. So it's this dunamis power, dynamite power. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be what my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I want to answer this question for us today. What does a life look like when the spirit has changed it? Pastor, what does it look like? I mean, what, what, okay. If the, you know, I, I can understand what it means to come to Christ and that he's forgiven me of my sins and that he's the savior of the world. Maybe you've come to that understanding, right? And, and I've bowed my heart to Jesus and, and I love him. And, and so what, what does it look like to know that God's spirit is within us and is empowering us? How, what, 
practically, Pastor Barton, help me, help me to reconcile that. Help me to, to understand what this looks like. And so that's why I want to go and see what the word of God has to say. Because there has to be a starting place here. Where is the starting place where the Holy Spirit indwells us and begins to thrust us out into the world? There has to be a starting place. So Jesus tells us that when the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, we will be his witnesses to the world of what he has done in our lives. So we are Christ's actual living examples of what he does when he changes our lives. So, so let, me, let, let me explain it this way. Something happens when we come to Christ by faith and we trust him as our savior and ask for forgiveness. The word of God says at that point, the spirit comes into our lives. It's actually a, the, the word of God. Paul talks about it as, as being a deposit guaranteeing of what is to come. Our full redemption when we go to heaven. There's this guarantee that this, the spirit is our deposit. It, it changes us. It comes within us that we are now, uh, the temple is not someplace you go to in Jerusalem. He says, now your bodies are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't reside somewhere in a temple in the Holy of Holies. What the word instructs us now is that your bodies now become the temple of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit resides in you. We are the temple. We are the church. We don't go to church. Do you know that? I know we call this building a church. You are the church. We are the church. We don't go to church. Wherever you go, you are the church. At your workplace, you're the church. You are the church. The spirit is within you. When people look at your changed life, what do they see? The church. That's what they see. So I want you to, it's not, I think we, we get this wrong. We think, well, I got to go to church and this is where we, no, you are the church. Wherever you go, that's what makes the church so powerful. And that's what the early church understood. And that's why Jesus said, you can't keep it here. Don't stay in Jerusalem. You got to go and you got to spread this message. And that's what changed the whole world. So Jesus tells us when the Holy Spirit dwells with us, we will be his witnesses. And so we understand that when we come to Christ and we ask him to be our savior, we find forgiveness. We, and, and what the word of God instructs us is that we become new creation. God changes us. He places his spirit within us. And, and we, we have this conversion. Um, it, and so we, we change. Our lives completely change because now the spirit is within us. And the way I want to explain this to you is because Jesus has this conversation with a very religious man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, very religious man, comes to Jesus at night. Maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe he didn't want other people. We, we don't know. But he comes to Jesus at night and begins to ask him these questions. He goes, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a good teacher. I, the, the, he's, Nicodemus sees something different in Jesus. And so they have this conversation. And John records it for us in John chapter 3. But Nicodemus is very curious about Jesus and his teachings. And Jesus tells this righteous man, likely a very good man, um, the truth about being right before God and inheriting eternal life. And I love this conversation. Actually, this is the verse that kind of changed me. This is the verse that when I heard this, I knew there was something missing in my life, that I wasn't born again. I mean, I was a churchgoer. I went to church. I was confirmed in the church. I was baptized as an infant. 
I wasn't a Christian, though. I wasn't a true follower of Christ. I didn't have a, a born-again experience. I, I didn't, the Spirit of God wasn't within me. There wasn't that conversion. I knew there was something different here until I heard this verse and understood this teaching. And so Nicodemus is very curious, and he has this conversation with Jesus. And, and what Jesus says to him, because they're having this conversation about eternal life, how can someone have eternal life? I mean, is it by our good works? Is it by the amount of church attendance? Is, as long as I'm baptized as a baby? I mean, how, how, do, I, how do I get eternal life? And that was the, 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 the question. That was the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. So what, what basically happens here is Jesus says, eternal life does not come through how religious we think we are or if my good works outweigh my bad works. So Jesus tells Nicodemus something very incredible by using the Holy Spirit as a testimony of a changed life. And so John records this for us in John 3, 3 through 5. And so Jesus answers Nicodemus and he says, listen, Nicodemus, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again or born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this must have been like earth shattering for Nicodemus. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you talking about? He says, what do you mean? Like, I, I, I know the scriptures. I'm religious. He goes, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says this, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and of the spirit. Okay, what, what does this mean? When Jesus says to you, you must be born of the water and spirit, he's speaking about spiritual birth. Only the spirit can change us. Not a bunch of religious activities we go through. Only the spirit can change us. Following a bunch of rules and trying to be good doesn't make you new spiritually. It only makes you self-righteous. It's all it does. It doesn't make you new. Spiritual transformation happens, Jesus says, spiritual transformation happens when we are cleansed from our sins and Jesus uses the word water to signify the washing of our sins. Going through a bunch of religious activities doesn't wash away our sins. There's a dependency on the only one who can wash away our sins. And I can't do that. And I can't do that through my goodness. That's why Jesus came. Because he was perfect. He is the only one that can wash us new and clean and make us right before a holy God. And what Jesus is alluding to here is the prophet Ezekiel. Listen to me closely here, okay? The prophet Ezekiel spoke God's word during a very sorrowful time in Israel's history. Their hearts were very hardened. Um, they were cold towards God's voice. And Ezekiel gives this prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus comes out of the face of this earth. And Ezekiel gives his prophecy of what God desires or what God is looking for in his followers and what God would actually do in our hearts because he saw the hardness of the hearts of Israel that they were following God. They weren't following God. They were, uh, their hearts became hardened towards his voice and he desired to have a relationship with them. But they just, their hearts became stone before the Lord. And they backslid and they turned from God. And so God would give Ezekiel a word that would change those who would come to him. And he says, I'm going to change your heart. And only the spirit can change our hearts. And so these very words 
that Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus is foundational and what Ezekiel prophesied hundreds of years earlier. These words would be foundational for what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. And so Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, listen to the words of Ezekiel here. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. This is foundational to what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. And you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you what? A new heart. And I will put what? A new spirit in you. And I will take your stony, stubborn heart and give you what? A tender, responsive heart. And I, I, who puts the spirit in them? He says, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulation and my uh, regulations. What is the key factor in a new life? The Holy Spirit. I'll put God will put the spirit within us. That's the only way our hearts can be changed. That is the only way we can receive eternal life is by God depositing his Holy spirit with us. And the way that happens is through my faith in Christ Jesus by believing on Christ that he became my substitute on the cross and gave his life for me. That's where forgiveness comes. And he says, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your heart. I'm going to cause your heart to be humbled. Because when we understand the gospel message, it humbles us, doesn't it? It takes away our pride. It says, I can't do it, God. I'm completely dependent on you. It has nothing to do with me. God um, looks at our past and all our waywardness and all our messiness and all our dysfunctional stuff we've done. And he says, I'll forgive you. You've got to come to me. Those things will keep you from me. And that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus is our bridge. And so when we do that, God says, now I'm going to place my spirit in you. And my spirit will change your heart so that you're able to obey me. Because if God has your heart, he has your whole life. If God has part of your heart, there's going to be a conflict. You're always going to wrestle, aren't you? Have you ever done that? You're just, part of you is, is into it and part of you is not. And it, can you imagine, can you imagine a wedding and you've got the couple standing there and you've got the pastor there and you're doing your vows for better or for worse, for rich or poor. You know, you're basically saying, I'm, it's a covenant language that, that I'm there for you always. Can you imagine to say, hey, I will be there for you 98% of the time. So give me 2%, you know, I might go off and do my own thing. Is that going to fly with either person? Absolutely not. Is there going to be a conflict within that relationship? Absolutely. God has to have our whole heart. And that's why he says, I'm going to change you and I'm going to direct you. And that's why Ezekiel said, then you'll be, then you'll be careful to obey me. So Jesus tells him that God and only God can place his spirit within us, which causes new birth spiritually. That is what he's trying to have Nicodemus understand. And it's only through the work of Christ that we can become new. Jesus accomplished everything for us. And by us placing our faith in him, we become new. Our past is forgiven and it's no longer held against us. Everybody say amen. That's some good news right there. So notice, notice what God says through Ezekiel. He says, my spirit will give you a tender, responsive heart. When we are led by God's spirit, it changes us and gives us the desire to do what God wants us to do now. 
That's what the Spirit does. It gives us a tender heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. What has caused you to become a new person? The deposit of the Spirit in your life. The old is gone and the new has begun. I was here and now I'm here. Does that mean we're, we're never going to struggle again with temptation or, or that we're not going to battle with the flesh at time? Of course, we're going to battle those things. Of course, we're going we're to make mistakes at times. But, but our position before God is now changed because of Jesus Christ. And we can come to him and we can find forgiveness for our sins. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have this ability to overcome temptation. And the, and the power of the Holy Spirit will convict us of our waywardness. So the Holy Spirit gives us this new life. And without this new life, we cannot inherit heaven. Fleshly things cannot inherit it. Only the Spirit can inherit this eternal life. And that's why he told Nicodemus, you might have the religious thing down, but unless your heart is changed, unless you've become born again or born from above, unless God has placed his Spirit in you, it is just dead religion that cannot save you. You know, that, that was the thing that I noticed when we started going to a church that preached being born again. I'm like, man, these people are really happy for some reason. You know, they like to sing and they raise their hand. I thought everybody was nuts. But, you know, at first, I'm like, you know, why people are raising their hand? Are they asking a question? What's going on here? I mean, what's, what's the deal here, you know? And, but the one thing I noticed is that there was a joy like, they were kind of glad to be at church. I mean, people were actually bringing their Bibles to church. I'm like, what is going These people are, like, fanatical about this Jesus thing. They, they really love Jesus. And then, and then when I became born again at 16 years old, I became one of those fanatical, weird people that brought my Bible to church and, and wanted to know about, more about Jesus and raised my hands and worshiped and loved on Jesus. You know, I said, man, I became one of these very people I was mocking just months before, right? Doesn't God have a great sense of humor? He does. He has a great sense of humor. He just, I'm going to humble you, Barden, and you're going to become one of those flaky Christians. So good. He got me. Um, so listen, we can't inherit eternal life without Jesus is saying to Nicodemus without this. So what does a life look? Let me just go real quick here. What does a life look like that, that's been changed by the spirit? What practical, how does this look? Pastor, put some meat on those bones for me. So what does is, what is a, a spirit-filled, empowered life look like? A spirit-empowered life is one that has the evidence of the spirit in their life. And so, and so what, is this, what does this mean? And I like the Apostle Paul gives some meaning um, to this of the evidence of, of, a, of a life that's been empowered by the Spirit. I love Galatians here because it just says it so well. How many know that if the Holy Spirit's in our life, there should be fruit or evidence that should be happening in our lives that show that there's been a change in our life? Not that we're not perfect. You know, not that, that we never make mistakes, but there should be evidence of something that's happening in our lives. So I love Galatians here. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against this thing, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified what? The flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, I love this, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And so there should be a change. There should be evidence 
of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and the way we love more, we show joy, we have a peace, we have patience. There should be kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. There should be displays of self-control in our life. And so Paul's saying, listen, you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. We've got to keep going to the Holy Spirit. We've got to keep growing and, 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 and asking God, God, reveal some things in my heart that, that should not be there. There's that relationship, and the Holy Spirit will reveal that to us. So a spirit-empowered life is one that has evidence. There should be evidence of a changed life. If, listen, if, if I, I should be able to look back. If I've been a Christian more than a year or two or three or four, I should be able to look back and, and begin to at least chart some evidence of change in my life. Amen? I should. Not that we don't struggle, but I, 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 we should be able to look back and say, I've definitely grown there. I can definitely see the spirits working on it. Not that we take pride in it, but we just say, God, man, you're good. I, man, this situation, God, I would have blown my top a year ago. And for some reason, I'm not. Why? Because the spirit. The spirit is convicting you. The spirit is shutting your trap. Amen. Right? It's, it's, it's controlling you now. You're like, okay, I... Love the Holy Spirit. Thank you. So there should be evidence here. A spirit-empowered life or a spirit-filled life actually cares. will begin to care more and more about people. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in jealousy. Right? No, I just want to see if you guys are listening. Bear with one another in what? In love. Right? Bear with one another in, in love. The Holy Spirit gives you a different perspective on people. You begin to care about their souls. Uh, we should take care of one another, meet one another's needs. We should care about people's eternity. You know, that was the one thing I could notice when I first became a follower of Jesus is that my heart was concerned about others and where they would spend eternity. It becomes a real thing, doesn't it? It, it becomes reality. Before that, I, I really wouldn't give any thought to it. It's their life and, and what concern of it, of it should be for me, but there becomes this concern because you begin to care about people for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So the Holy Spirit gives us a heart for others. It burdens us with, with, the, with the heart of God and, and, and it compels us. This is what it does. The spirit, when I'm empowered by the spirit, it, it, should, it should compel us to support missionaries and, and, and support mission trips and go on mission trips, whatever it is, or, or care for our neighbors, invite people to church, reach out to our community. The, the Holy Spirit gives us a heart of compassion for others. It cares about what people are going through. It's not benign to that. And, and we, in all of this, you know, I, it, it's, how many know it's easy to get burned out just doing things for God? We, we, can't, we can we can get burned. We, we can say, man, I'm doing all these things for God and I'm getting burned out. Well, we can actually do that without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we're not, if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit to give us strength to do that and we start doing it in our own strength, guess what? We are going to get burned out. Why do you think Jesus consistently got alone with the Father? Consistently got alone with the Father so he could draw strength and commune with the Father to do what he was called to do here on earth. I like what Corey Ten Boone, survivor of the Holocaust, said. She said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. That's a good quote right there. It just does. When, when, you, when, you do, when we're doing what Paul tells you to keep in step with the Spirit, 
The Holy Spirit will give us that strength. And, and his love and God's work will just flow out of us. So it's not me doing it. It's God doing it through me. That's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of a spirit-filled person. The, 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 and, and, and lastly, let me just hit on this. A spirit-empowered life actually desires to know God's word. It, it desires to know God's word. There's a desire to say, God, I just, you know, I want to know you more. I want to know what your word has to say about this. I love Psalms 119, 105, where it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Thy word, your word, God, is a lamp for my feet. It's a light unto my path. I I want to study. I want to know your word. I want to be in your word. I want you to speak to my heart in your word. Um, How many know that there are times where you're going through something and you just, you read a devotional, you read something, and it just, it just impacts your heart and your life. It just, don't you love when you're reading God's word or you're reading a devotional and it just ministers to you right where you're at and in that point in your life where you just feel burnt out or you feel like, man, I don't know where to turn. And all of a sudden you hear that word and you read that devotional and it just ministers to your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. I'll let you in on a secret. It's the Holy Spirit ministering to you. The word of God, we're going to jump into this next week, but um, the Holy Spirit can even pray through us with groans that cannot even be expressed, Paul said. That there are times in your life where you feel exhausted and overwhelmed, and the Holy Spirit, Paul says, can minister through you with groans and utterings that cannot even be expressed. That's how God desires to be close to you. And the Holy Spirit is there. But we've got, listen, you've got to draw from that. You've got to go to that well. You're not going to get well out of a water unless you put the bucket down into the water and begin to draw from it. And I think many of us are just looking at that well and we're saying, I know the water's down there. I don't know how to get to it. God says, you've got to draw from that. Well, you've got to put the bucket in and begin to draw from me and allow me to minister you through, through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You're blessed if you heed the word of God. It, have, you ever, have you ever felt this way that, you know, for some of you that are followers of Jesus and and, and you just wonder, have you ever wondered, like, wow, I, before I became a Christian, I'd never really had a hunger to really read God's Word. I thought it was kind of boring. And all of a sudden, it becomes exciting. It's the Holy Spirit. Just like, it's a secret. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's not you. It's God in you that's desiring His Word. The Holy Spirit is the author of God's Word. It's the Holy Spirit that inspired the writers to write God's word. The Holy Spirit is the author. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and your life and give you encouragement to face whatever you're facing. So we can say, this isn't me, but this is God. This is God's spirit within me. One of my greatest joys is just seeing people grow in Christ. And I love sitting in small groups and just hearing some of you just share what God is doing. 
in your hearts and your life and, and how different parts of God's word have just touched you or, or changed your life. I love hearing how God helps you to forgive others and reconcile broken relationships where, where you would say, you know, this wasn't me, this was God. There's no way I could ever find the, the, the strength to forgive unless it was God's spirit within me. Isn't that amazing? I, those to me are such wonderful examples of the spirit working in our lives to obey what Jesus desires us to obey. When we begin to see reconciliation and forgiveness, when we begin to overcome things in our lives, when we begin to really uh, place the mirror on our hearts and our lives where we say, you know what, this is the way I used to live. This is what I used to do. But I know this isn't what God wants for me. And he's just working on me. I'm a work in progress. Thank you, God, for your patience in my life. But I'm glad you're working on me. That's, that's the process of the Holy Spirit within you, changing you to cause you to come in obedience to Christ. It's like an onion. There's so, I mean, our lives are just so many layers in our lives. Listen, you know, it, it, my, my, grandfa- <laughs> my grandfather, he just had a, a, just a nice belly. He just had a nice belly, just, just this right here, and just nothing else. No legs, just a nice little belly. And I used to always rub his belly. And I go, Grandpa Roger, I just love your belly. And I would pat him. He goes, he goes Barton, it, t- it took a lot of money for me to put this little <laughs> belly on. He, was, so he used to say that, you know. And... Um, he's just fine. He didn't care. He's just open about it. But, um, you know, I think about how many know that, that we lived our lives a certain way for a long time. And it took a long time for us to develop those habits and those things that God didn't desire for us. Right. And so when we're stepping with the spirit, God's like an onion is going to keep peeling away layers in your life. He's going to keep, if God did it all in one thing, one sitting where he just said, I'm going to show you everything. How many of you know our heads would explode? We couldn't handle it. But God is patient with us. And through the working of the Holy Spirit in our life, and, and this is one of my prayers. I always pray this when, when I pray to the Holy And you can pray to the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? It's okay. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. Do I pray to God? Or, you know, how do I do it? You know doesn't matter they're all god they're one okay so don't get all crazy about that but here's how i pray to the holy spirit i say holy spirit reveal the areas in my life that i'm blinded to holy spirit reveal to me the things that i don't see because how many of how many of us know we always want to see ourselves in a better light. We always want to give ourselves more grace than we want to give others, right? And so the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we open and we're that vulnerable to say, Holy Spirit, begin to reveal things in my life that are hidden, hidden pride, hidden things that I know ought not be there. And they may not be big things. You know, we're always looking for the big, big sins, you know. But how many know it always starts with a small seed, and, and the more we feed it and water it, it grows and grows and grows to becomes a habit and it becomes a proclivity of our heart and it eventually becomes just full-blown sin. It always starts, how many of you I mean, this isn't rocket science, but it always starts somewhere. But if we can pray to the Holy Spirit and just say, Holy Spirit, can you reveal that thing in, 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 this, in the small seed that it might be starting in my heart? And can you reveal that to me? It may be some thought I have about somebody. It might be I hear good news about somebody and I'm kind of jealous. It may be something that I'm posting online that really is just bolstering myself or trying to make myself look better. 
I did say it. Okay, I'm just, I just threw it out there just to see if it sticks anywhere on the ceiling or the walls, right? God, just check my heart there. Because, Lord, I, I know that's where it starts. And the Holy Spirit can reveal that to us if we're vulnerable. So I always pray, Holy Spirit, just show me in my heart the blindness that might be there that I'm not seeing. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will. <laughs> I don't like those times, but it's because God loves us and he cares for, and he cares for us. So here's the thing. You, you pray. You keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Um, allow the Holy Spirit. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would keep you sensitive in the areas of your life that you're blind to. The Spirit will convict and speak to us in areas in our life that aren't in the will of God. It might, be, it might be going so far as asking for forgiveness or giving forgiveness. There are times in my life that, that I might feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to pray for somebody or encourage them. I would encourage you to do that. You just might be alone in your prayer time and, and something drops in your heart and you might think, well, why did I do that? Why did that person come in my heart? It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to pray for that person. Pray for him and then encourage him. Hey, just want to let you know that the Lord dropped you in my heart and I prayed for you today. That's how we encourage each other. There's so many times that that's happened in my life where I was going through something or whatever and all of a sudden I get this text or someone just wrote me a letter or something at this perfect time and I'm like, God, you're so faithful through the prompting of the Holy Spirit to encourage us when we need it. How many know we need each other? We definitely need each other. Let me just finish with this. I love these two Billy Graham quotes. And let me just finish with this, and I'll, I'll pray for you. And, and let's ask the Holy Spirit just to lead us and guide us. Billy Graham said this. This is great. He says, as humans, we have two great spiritual needs. The first is forgiveness which God has made possible by sending his son into the world to die for our sins. The second need, however, is goodness, which God also made possible by sending the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to do the things that he wants us to do, to make us righteous before him. And I like this other quote by Billy Graham. He says, the Holy Spirit can rejuvenate a tired Christian, captivate an indifferent believer, and empower a dry church. It's the Holy Spirit that does all those things. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Brian, I'm just tired. Yeah, I, I need to be rejuvenated. I'm, I'm tired. Or maybe you're just going through something in your life. And I would just encourage you today just to rely on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to find that time alone to take your bucket and just drop it in the well. And God is faithful to meet you where you're at. And so let's be the people, let's be a people that are empowered by the Spirit. And, and next week, I really want to talk about what does that look like in the church itself? Like how do we minister through the Holy Spirit to each other to build up the body? Because God gives us gifts through the Holy Spirit to actually build up the body. And he wants to use you to do that. 
And so I want to, I'm going to talk about that next week on how we can be obedient to the Lord to minister to each other through his will on how he works through his will to give us gifts, to build up each other, and also to encourage you through the promise and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're, so we're just, next week we're just going to get, we're going to dig, we're going to get deep into the Bible. We're going to, we're going to really dig in to see what all those scriptures have to say and, uh, and do have a good understanding of what the gifts are. So I'm excited about that next week. Amen. Can I pray for you? Would you bow your hearts with me for just a moment? How many of you would just say, Pastor Barden, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just kind of tired today. I'm, I'm not judging your walk with Jesus. You're just being honest. Say, I just need, I need a fresh filling of God's spirit in my life today. Maybe it's something that has weighed on you. Maybe it's something that um, is just in the back of your mind and it's just heavy on you. And you just say, Pastor, Pastor I just need that fresh filling of God's spirit in my life. How many of you just by the raised hand would say, that's me, Pastor Bart. Would you just pray for me? Amen. Good. God is faithful. He's going to meet you where you're at. Father God, we just come before you and I thank you for just who you are and how you supply our needs in so many ways. Thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us, to empower us, to be your witnesses in this world. And and I pray, Lord, that we would rely on that great resource of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I pray for those that are just um, tired today, who just need to be revived. Um, Lord, I just pray that they would just come to you and realize that the Holy Spirit is there to give us that peace and assurance knowing that you're with us to minister to us through the times of our life and then not only minister to us but then empower us to minister to other people it can't stop with us and so our purpose is to be fed and then to feed others and to share with others what you've done and that's all accomplished through the power and the presence of your holy spirit so thank you holy spirit we need you we need you in our church We need your leading in our lives so that we can do what you called us to do as your witnesses, as your followers. So we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray this for our church and for every individual life that we would continue to keep in step, as Paul said, with your spirit, to be continually filled with your spirit as we live out our lives before you, Jesus. We thank you for your word today. May we go in that power and in your presence. For we ask these things in no other name but the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for his word today? He's good. Amen.